Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. We are the podcast that shares listeners' audition confessions, disasters, nightmares and funny anecdotes that they send in anonymously so that we get to share them with you and relieve them of any stress of remembering when it happened. My name is Christopher Bartlett-Walford and I'm your host. And every week, a guest from the world of entertainment, whether it's theatre, film, TV, YouTube, comedy, sketch, ballet, dance, hip-hop, anything that needs an audition, joins me to read out your submissions as we go through the show. As you can hear my little baby Robin in the background saying hello. It's a really super fun show this week. A little bit rambly, a little bit funny and a little bit sweary as well. So if you do have any children listening with you, just just keep, just pop your headphones in. It's fine. We're all grown ups. I am joined this week by actor, comedian and writer for the world famous YouTube channel Good Mythical Morning, the lovely Emily Fleming. And it was such a joy to talk to her the other day. It was about 7.30, 8.30 at night or over my time and about midday over in LA time. And we both uh, shared a long distance beverage and had a really rambly chat. So I hope you have a really good time listening. She's absolutely fantastic and shares some wonderful stories about how casting differs in LA and NYC to over here in sunny old England. And it is sunny at the moment as well. It's very nice. If you're listening for the first time, we love you to tweet along and Instagram along as you're listening. We are at Don't Call Us Pod. And also, as you're listening to this episode, if you have a story for us, please email them in. They're all anonymized. No one will know it's you to don't call us pod at gmail.com. Any audition counts, choir, amateur, professional, anything. Let's make each other laugh. And remember, it's not the end of the world when it goes wrong. But I start my show every week by asking our guests the very same question. A good leveller, if you will. And that question is, what do auditions mean to you? It depends on uh, <clears throat> if it's commercial or if it's for like television or film. Commercial auditions used to excite me. Like when I first started in New York in like 2011, I got my first commercial, like I got a commercial agent in New York around then. And anytime I got auditioned, I was just elated. I couldn't wait to go. And also the, I will say that the New York style of commercial audition and the comparison to LA is so different for me. Um, I had so much fun in New York. Uh, the auditions were fun and funny <laughs> and they let you improvise and out here, <clears throat> they just go, okay, you're going to be sitting with another woman on a blanket competing for this baby's affection. Whoever connects with this baby more is going to get the part. Like stuff like that. I had to do that once. Someone just put <laughs> their baby on a blanket with toys. And I like, no offense to you and your child, but like, I can't stand children. I don't, I don't know what to do with them. I like, oh, I don't know what to do with him. I like, and the girl I was with was totally cool too in the audition. We were both looking at each other like, this is bullshit. And like, we had, we had, I think there was a, a toy train. And I remember just putting the toy train on, on the kid's leg and going, choo choo. And I was like, I don't, how do you play with babies? Like, I don't know how to play with them. This is a nightmare. The kid was crying. Neither one of us got the part. But it was just so, I hate it when it's like, okay, you're in your 30s, now you're the mom and everything. Mm. And it sucks. Um, so 
now whenever I get a commercial audition notification, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I just, I don't want to do it. I, do, I just don't. I have, and most of it, the ones in LA, I think I've saved a few things. They want you to be real people. Like, but by real people, they want you to be an amputee who's also been in Cirque du Soleil, can play the harp, and ha uses Citibank. Like, so you're a real customer of Citibank. <laughs> <laughs> you're a fire eater. <laughs> and you have a purple heart. Go. Like, it's, you can't act anymore. You have to be, you have to, like, check all these boxes. That's, like, as a real person now. There was a, there was a thing, there was a thing that went viral this week in the uk uh there's a a, a spectacle gla a glasses brand called spec savers uh -huh. and the, you know bearing in mind our entire industry is dead and it's ever so slightly sparking back to life so actors are in need of the work and the casting teams and the producers and the age everyone they put out a, mm -hmm. they put out a, a tweet saying hey we're looking for normal people um, it's an, it's a guy who's got a glint in his eye, who's 50 or over, who wears spectacles. We want to hear from you. Tweet your photos. No mention of pay. No mention of an actor. And acting Twitter just went rightly absolutely mad at it. Wow, yeah. All, they, all they've done is clarify saying, oh, actors can apply too. It's a paid role. Sorry, we didn't mention it. Da -da. And that's it. That's not good enough. We, You can be real, but you can be an actor. But yeah, maybe Purple Heart Fire Breather. <laughs> Might be a bit I nice. mean, there's one that I got yesterday that I saw it on Facebook. Sometimes I find casting notifications on Facebook and I don't know. I just find things. This girl is just like, we're looking for um, astronauts of retirement age and stuff. And it's for $500. And I'm like, this person was an astronaut and you're paying him 500 bucks. That's bullshit. Can you imagine like an astronaut going, Ooh, what a gig. And then yeah. they just like, you're, like the, literally one of the most brilliant people in the world is now like going to be on Facebook looking for casting calls. Like that's bullshit. I don't know. Yeah, like what, what to do, what to do with my astro science degree. I, I have, I have been in space, but 500 bucks is 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But in, I will say that when I get notifications for, you know, television or for a movie, I'm, I'm stoked. And yeah. all I do, well, I'm trying to be better about it. I'm, I kind of relied on uh, just being open to stuff when in New York, I just wouldn't really decide how I wanted the character to be and stuff. I'd just be kind of myself and as the thing yeah. so that the people in the room could direct me because they always do. They want you to do it a couple different ways. So I try not to decide too much in advance. I think that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> not like I've booked a lot that this would actually support this <laughs> theory of mine, but like it's kind of, I don't know, unless there's something about the person where I'm like, oh, I know this person. Like then it, I make a decision, but I usually just have fun and try to memorize it as best I can and then mm. be open to their interpretation. Certainly because... for commercial auditions, there's there's so many that people will get get put up for them. And certainly if they haven't been to those kind of auditions before, it can be not intimidating, but overwhelming sometimes because you, you are just expected to improvise a lot of the time. And just exactly as you said, you know, oh, certainly over here, I'm, I, I can't wait to hear well, how it differs sometimes. over Sometimes it's, it's confusing. There's all these weird gatekeeper-y kind of rules when I got to LA that I did not, I was not told in New York. Like okay. in New York, it was like, yeah, 
make it your own, do your thing. And then you get to LA and they're like, the writers wrote this for a reason. Don't, don't fuck with it. Like do mm. it as written on the page. It's a lot uh, more serious. And if they ask, well, it's not that it's serious. It's just that like everybody, you, you can't, you got to be aware of not pissing anyone off. <laughs> I think is what it is. In New York, you could piss someone off, and they'll be like, "Hey, you pissed me off," and they'll go, "Oh, sorry about that," and they'll be like, "Ah, no worries." Here, it's like, "You changed my two and a half men spec script." <laughs> how dare you? You are blacklisted from Hollywood. <laughs> it's how it feels to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's not oh, very. Dear. It doesn't feel like as much of a collaborative process in auditions and and stuff. So this week we got loads and loads of stories emailed in. Obviously, our listeners uh, and our audiences' uh, submissions and confessions, we like to call them sometimes, about right. what happened in the casting room uh, make our very show. And this week mm -hmm. I've put together a few, which I think I, there's a couple that are absolutely brilliant. But the first one comes in uh, from an actor and he says, I was helping cast a short film for a director friend of mine. I put the brief on Casting Call Pro we were looking for two actors. Casting Call Pro is a, like a job site over here. Yeah, yeah. I got quite a few of those that are taking my twelve ninety nine out of my bank account every month. One to play a postman and another to play a psychopath. I received a very long and odd submission for the psychopath role from a young man who talked about how he'd been one part time for some years and would love to get a chance to put his experience onto the screen. <laughs> I really hope he was actually applying for the postman role and hit submit for the other role by mistake, but it wasn't a risk that we were willing to take. <laughs> Wait, so he was just an actor? Yeah. I know, but actors are psychopaths. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, we, we get it, dude. You're not that fucking special. We're all psychotic. Like, I mean, God, I That's... wish I could know what that guy looked like. Oh, I think we can imagine what he looked like. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go with white. Uh... <laughs> of, of, course, of course it was a guy. Of course it was a guy. Of course it was a guy. How refreshing would it have been if it were a woman? Yeah. There's not enough, there's not enough like famous female psychopaths out there, I feel like. We got to even that playing field somehow. <laughs> Representation matters. That's what... It does. <laughs> oh, dear. I've as When I've been on the side of casting... Uh, before there's been there's lots and lots of times that it just it really pays to make sure you double check your submission just before you click submit before you say yes i remember the only commercial i booked out here in la i and i didn't they cut me out of it i wasn't even in the commercial oh, God. it came out uh it was a geico commercial with a like we were two girls in swimsuits in a hot tub at night it was cold it was so cold it was like 11 o'clock at night when we finally shot and they put a lobster it's this lobster that can talk it's a geico commercial so you know it's gotta be an animal <laughs> yeah it's a lobster that's on the run from a chef at, at like a big <laughs> resort kind of thing so we're like in this hot tub hanging out and then the lobster comes and gets in the hot tub and he's hanging out in the hot tub and kind of flirting with the two girls but the thing is, it wasn't a CGI uh, 
lobster. It was a dead lobster that was pretty much crucified with a bunch of wires and shit. They like <laughs> shoved a wire through this lobster and then they put him in. And the girl, the poor girl who has done a lot of commercial work. She was great. Uh, she was vegan. No. <laughs> of course she was. It's LA. Everybody's fucking vegan, but me, it feels like. And, um, so this, and they had multiple lobsters. They had the one that was bright red for what Stunt it lobster. had been in, in the lobster. hot tub for a long time. And then they had the kind of dead brownish one that was just kind of, it was, and the thing is he twitched occasionally too. And the thing, <laughs> and it was so funny. And I, I just remember having to pee at one point and going, could I, could I go pee? And there's apparently like a number code or something that the crew uses to like signify that someone has to go pee. And this guy goes, you need a, I can't remember what, I'm going to make up a code because I don't care. Like I'm a code, code woman. yellow, surely. People, yeah. Like he's like a code nine, nine, 10, four, or like something like that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, what? And he goes, Oh, is this your first commercial? And I'm like, is this your first time hearing a woman needs to pee? Like, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck this whole code thing is about stupid and that's probably why i've never booked another commercial <laughs> certainly why they needed another lobster that's why <laughs> yeah well oh god they didn't even use the scene they didn't use it it's so sad the thing is you weren't Poor you weren't girl. sat in a you weren't sat in a hot tub you were sat in a lobster boil that's what you that's, that's well, the thing is, it wasn't even a hot tub because the steam would fuck up the camera lens it's so it tub. was cold water with P like PVC pipe running through it. So it, it created <laughs> bubbles. They put holes in the PVC pipe and then like inserted, you know, air oh, to God. create like a bubble effect. The magic so we of were TV. freezing cold, like with a dead lobster. <laughs> it was oh, so funny. Dear. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. That's obviously it's hilarious, but that's terrible. But hey, you got paid to not yeah. be in it, but. <laughs> That memory will scar you for life now. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had a great time. I don't care. Like, a job's a job. Like, I'm job's, happy to be working. Job's a job. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just maybe a plastic lobster next time. <laughs> <laughs> right. No shit. <laughs> Why? Just, just use a plastic one. Yeah. Where's Guillermo del Toro when you yeah. need him? Like, like, whip me up a... CG, like a, what a animatronic lobster, poor favor. Yeah, like, that's see, that's fifty thousand dollars to CGI a lobster in, or twenty four ninety nine for Publix. So it's okay. Instead, you can pay like the the union minimum <laughs> to two, you know, <laughs> hapless women to sit next to a like fishy, stinky smelling dead lobster. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> what beverage are you drinking? Right now, bear in mind it's uh, seven o'clock in the night. My, I was. Oh, it's eleven o'clock in the morning, and I've got. It's a. It's like a new. They keep coming out with all these like canned. I think it's because of Phoebe Waller Bridge. I think it's the the gin and a tin thing. Oh, has really taken off here, and this is like a, like vodka. It's like a vodka mint lime infused. Oh, like a kind of mojitoy kind of thing. Yeah, in a can, and it's. We got the old. Trusty porn star martini in the mug here, in the jar rather. <laughs> now, it, I must preface this by saying I was just going to grab a beer. I thought it's been really hot all week. It's been like nearly so hot. It's, it's been so like hot. ninety degrees in your temperatures here. It's one hundred degrees Shut right up. now. That's too hot. Too hot. 
I'm yeah. from South Wales. Anything above minus five Celsius is too hot for me. And it, <laughs> it's too hot. I'm a big hairy guy. I don't do temperatures, right? But it's been it's been so hot this week. And we've been like London has been promised the mother of all thunderstorms, and it was rubbish. It was absolutely rubbish. So it's still really humid outside. It's so hot. The the street that I live on is really busy. So I've got to close all the windows to make sure that it's nice and, you know, soundproofed and stuff. It's like a bit like a sauna. But my next door neighbor is 30 today and she's having a bit of a rager next door. Uh, So she... Oh, that's great. (laughs) She knocked the door. They're lovely. I love them so much. She knocked the door and handed Jess two mason jars. Uh, My wife, who's downstairs with our son, full absolutely massive full of porn star martinis and i thought they were going to be like the tiny because our that gin in a tin is massive right ours are like tiny over here they're like yeah, one tiny 25 mil shot and that's it that that's a night out yeah in new york I, I i had this really great agent who i think really under i had a good commercial agent and a really good also in new york you're allowed to have more than one commercial agent Oh, that's interesting. So at one point I had four commercial agents in New York. Oh, okay. And it did get complicated because sometimes they were submitting me for the same thing. Yeah. And uh, there would be things like, but the thing is you're allowed to do that. Like it's like they give the advantages to the actor in New York and out here in LA, all of the advantages are to the people above the actors. Like right. the actors are kind of treated like, cattle and you're not really it's not a respectful environment i'd say so far that's not to say that i mean i i'm so very very lucky to be a part of the crew at good mythical morning because it's like i'm getting to do all the stuff that i always wanted to do it's like you know you, you want to do I, of course everybody i think fantasizes who does comedy in the u.s about being on saturday night live but then if you really think about it getting there seems impossible and then once you get there it seems like it would be a nightmare. Like, like I think about... It seems like hard work. Oh, God. It does seem like hard work. Fascinating, but hard. Fascinating hard work. But it also is just like, do, do I have the mental capacity to handle that kind of pressure? You think about that sometimes. But with GMM, it was like, this is just like, like it's, it's everything you kind of would dream that uh, SNL would be kind of. You get to do one character every couple of weeks or something and then you just write and then occasionally you'll get to do another cool thing and it's it's there forever on the internet and but it's I'm it, it, very very proud of it so it's like it's fun I'm as a writer as well all i do huh? it's, it's fun as a writer as well to have the access to put really cool short form ideas on as well but short form ideas that you might come up with something that might go in one video for one scene or a couple of lines but if that clicks with the audience you get to then drop them into different things and and that's great and and on a yeah. on a you know on a big tv show with a huge writer room or you know a big cast throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks sometimes it can be crowded so that's it's such a benefit to a, a creative and and kind of writing based comedian like yourself like that's it must be so good it's really really fun i can't wait for covid to be over so we can <laughs> go back and do more fun stuff it's such a bummer but i don't know it well we uh, have been doing things via social distance, like Zooms and things mm-hmm. like that. We, we work from home for the show right now, but uh, Rhett and Link will be in the studio and we'll all be like 
I guess on a grid on a screen somewhere <laughs> that they're looking at. I have no idea. Like celebrity squares, like. but a really rubbish version of yeah. celebrity squares. Yeah, but a bunch of people in their pajamas picking their nose. Like <laughs> Oh yeah. No, no one's worn day clothes for months. And I'm cool with that. I know. I'm terrified to put on pants. I don't know yeah. about you. Like I the the rapid uh like amount of weight gain. <laughs> just like like nothing i've ever experienced i don't want to have kids and i never will have kids but i have stretch marks now like i just have them so if i, and I, I have worry. no baby to show for it <laughs> i've had a fair food a few a few fair food babies at the time i'll give you that but <laughs> oh my god yeah it was i we've kind of i think are mastering it now but when you first got into quarantine you were like we're never gonna eat again eat all the food <laughs> just like like that's the end this is the end get the frozen pizzas make them all at the same time let's like go like back in march because you know obviously went from having an, a wonderful year lined up with some dream stuff to like overnight n- zero nothing mm-hmm. i bought i uh, just chance got a night job at a supermarket stacking shelves which was great yeah but they got rid of us after a certain amount of time out of nowhere which yeah. sucked but that meant I was going from in a three to four night period walking between 30 and 40 miles, pushing really heavy crates full of stuff. Yeah. I, I lost about a stone and a half to overnight putting it straight back on again <laughs> and, and oh, doing no walking and no I know. 40 well, miles. I, I don't drive a car. Um, I just don't. Everyone looks at me like I'm nuts when I say that. I'm just like, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with paying for gas. I don't want to deal with repairs. I don't want to deal with it. And the public transit is all right here in LA. And I was riding the train. Well, the train is like, it, you ride the train and then you can walk to work. It's a little bit of a walk, but it doesn't rain. Like it's, it's beautiful in Los Angeles. There's no reason not to walk and ride, you know, the train. And I got to say, I miss the train. Like I, sometimes I hear a bus, like say the little announcer guy, like we, you have reached blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, ah, oh, bus, like, <laughs> miss the bus. Like <laughs> there's weird shit like that. But like, I just have, so I would be walking quite a bit and, uh, on work days and things, but I do walk a lot now, but it just doesn't seem to make much difference it's, anymore it's because it feels like you have to walk now you know oh, shoot, i should maybe probably so go i think it's also like uh, just something about maybe serotonin and there's probably some kind of chemical bullshit that happens in your mind when you're going through something like this that's like <laughs> we need to hold on to all the resources because you know you never know what's going to happen <laughs> so this uh this actually came in from somebody who saw your call out so this oh, is okay. perfect uh, the actor says, this is one for the books. I was doing a Shakespearean monologue for a regional audition, specifically the Queen Mab speech from Romeo and Juliet, Act 1, Scene 4. I decided I wanted to end my abbreviated scene with a somersault. Bad idea. I dislocated my right shoulder. Oh, God. <laughs> it was relatively fine to end the scene based on my crouched position and off-the-wall demeanour. However... When I stood up, my right arm was frozen in place. He says, picture my elbow above my head. My face was visibly in pain. Keep in mind, this was being recorded on someone's iPad and a Tony nominee was on the casting panel. 
I awkwardly grabbed my papers, waddled out of there, and I popped my arm back in place by pushing it against the men's room wall. <gasps> right as I did that, the filmer and the Tony nominee came in to check on me, which was nice. That'll definitely be an audition that none of us will forget. Oh my God. Wait, but did he get the part? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, God damn. I mean... I That's think I'd just give him the part just to make sure he doesn't sue us for libel. Like oh I would just kind of. I I need to so see that wild. film. So you know who you are who submitted that. If you do have the film, if you can get hold of the film, and I need to know who's the Tony nominee. I mean, as well. you could get it if you could pull it out of evidence because I'm sure <laughs> that that's. That place has that under lock and key just so they oh, don't get insurance. Just imagine. <laughs> like fucked. Imagine doing it and then going, something doesn't feel right. So, oh. I oh I, I I can't move my arm. I will say this about Shakespeare: there is not enough gymnastics in Shakespeare, <laughs> and um, that's the problem with Shakespeare. <laughs> like this guy knew what's up. Like he knew what he knew what it needed. There was an amazing production of A Midsummer Night's Dream <laughs> um, that had Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones in it. It was um, it was streamed during lockdown as part of the National Theatres thing, and they had like. They had a, a dance troupe playing the fairies and they had they were on like silks and swings. It was awesome. So, yeah, more like that. That's what we need. More gymnastics. Slightly less dislocation. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need more backflips in Be Shakespeare. More backflips. And that's gonna, what's going to like get the masses to come. Yeah. So, Emily, tell me about a time, uh, an audition that you went for that it just didn't go your way or that something happened that it didn't go to plan or it just sticks in your head for something that you need to not ever happen again. Okay. I have, I have so many, but I, there's <laughs> one in particular. <laughs> I, I had done this commercial campaign for Gillette like in 2012, I think. And it was kind of like a woman on the street thing. Like I, would talk to people on the street about making out with guys when they have a beard versus when they don't have a beard. Like, which it was, you know, dudes were not happy on the internet about this oh, commercial God. campaign. They're like, this bitch, this big tooth bitch. I remember this big tooth bitch being on like one of the comments on YouTube. And I was like, my teeth are all fake and I could just easily have no teeth. <laughs> so the fact that he acknowledged that I had teeth at all was kind of like, Hell yeah, I'm a big tooth bitch. <laughs> There's a t-shirt. Um, There's a t-shirt for you. Right? <laughs> like, tell me what this big tooth bitch tell me what to do with my beard or brr, 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 like this kind of thing. And uh, but the campaign did really well. And I got to like go to Sundance Film Festival and like represent the Gillette suite and stuff at the festival. Right. It was like really cool. I got to host this whole thing. So then like a year later, I get uh, a call for this Yo Play yogurt campaign. That was also like a woman on the street thing, kind of walking up to strangers, talking to them. So I get there and the script is a storyboard of my Gillette commercial campaign. So it's pictures of me <laughs> in the script. What? And because they wanted you to improvise, you have to like act like yours. So they gave like example of what it would look like. So it was just me on every page of this script, like three pages of it. And I didn't get the part. I wasn't me enough to get me. No way. Uh, like, <laughs> like I didn't get the part. 
and I'm the one in the fucking example for the commercial. So did it was you, like, did you not say and they to them, knew it. that's me? Like, yeah, <laughs> they knew it was me. <laughs> what? They're that like, oh, make hey, sense. I bet it's weird coming in, seeing yourself in the like in the script. And you should like, have said, like, yeah. well, I, I didn't think I'd have to come in now. but Yeah, I didn't think I would either. But I'm just like, should I just hold this up next to my face and go, I already did it. My audition is on the page already. <laughs> yeah, walk in, you pull out an iPad, just press play on YouTube and go, I see you in six weeks at the, at the film. Yeah, yeah, that's, but it was like they just wanted a Emily Fleming type, but they didn't want me. <laughs> You know what it so, is? You're, you're just too much like the girl in the Gillette commercial. I am the girl in the Gillette commercial. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I remember I like I kept that script. Like I stole one, and I kept it because I just thought it was so fucking ridiculous. And then I finally threw it away because it was really like hurting my feelings. Like it just kind of hurt my feelings that I wasn't good enough to play myself. Like that oh. kind of feeling. And then, so I kind of let that go. Cause yeah, what are they going to do? Be like, I'm the same lady from this thing into that thing. But I don't know if you guys in the UK know about uh, this show, Ernest. And it's, uh, or it was a series of movies as well. But Jim Varney, who is this comedic actor who was also the voice of Slinky in Toy Story. Yeah. Um, he was this actor who was kind of struggling. He's from Tennessee. I'm from Tennessee. And he booked that, like his friend was making commercials and he just played this character, Ernest. And for a couple of commercials, I can't believe, I can't remember what it was for, but it was for like a little gas station or like what it was, but it just took off. And then people all over the state were using him for every product. Like he was in every commercial. Oh, wow. And I'm kind of like, God, wouldn't that be cool if that existed? Like, it's like if Progressive Flow then was like in every single commercial campaign. Like yeah. Flow is now selling birth control and tampons and just like everything. I don't know why I went straight to feminine products. Because she was like, called Flow, that's why. I know, that's what it is. <laughs> it makes more sense. It makes more sense for her to be with Tampax than yeah. with... If you, call, if you call flow, just deal with what you deal with the hand you're given. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So it's like to me, I, I guess I'm kind of like, well, why not have me in a Yelp? Like, who cares? I don't know. It's it's one of those things that just was really that was rough. That was a hard pill to swallow. And, and the I thing would... is, it's something that you will just cling on to because yeah, it'll just bore down in your head. Ah, oh, that was a really good one. Oh, but I still could have been that. And then if you see the commercial as well, you go, but I'm, but you know. Did you ever see the commercial that you went for? No, I never saw the campaign. Uh, the thing is, these were kind of like, it was when I was non-union still. And these were like internet campaigns that would like be viral internet campaigns. Yeah. So depending on like what the algorithm decides you're looking for, you see it or you don't. And so I just never saw it, which I think is for the best. Even though you were Googling a hundred times a night, yo play, yo play, yo play, yo play. I, I actually did. I did look it up quite a bit. I was like, who the fuck is more me than me? There was I want to know. <laughs> there was a commercial that I went for once and I was, you know, a little bit geeky, a certain type of haircut when I was younger. And I, oh God, it was maybe when I was about 20, 21, maybe. No, no, it wasn't. It was earlier than that. It was before I trained. So I must have been like just 18. So like, st I still look like a high school 
kind of sixth form kind of kid old enough that i didn't have to be licensed because over here the licensing for the kids is quite tricky uh, but young enough that i looked like i was in school still and it was for um burger sauce like an imitation big mac sauce in a bottle mm-hmm. and you just had to it, the, the commercial was in hyde park in london and there was like a greasy burger van i can't remember what but you had to be eating a burger look to the right and there was a guy putting burger sauce on it or something i don't know okay the kid they cast because i didn't get it just looked exactly like me and i remember seeing it for the first Uh, time and just going are you absolutely kidding me because when i was in the room no one looked like me but i i just i was like that's that's just almost like they saw you and then they went let's get a discount version of that guy Oh yeah, it was far I'm too expensive. Like, was... che- like somebody who's somebody who's not union, maybe somebody who they can kind of shortchange. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes oh, God. The, the union stuff is tricky because it's so competitive to do union work, and there's a lot of non-union stuff out there. There always mm. is, and yeah, that's kind of like it's tough because you want to work. Like I care more about working than I do about the money. Personally, I hope. Uh, People aren't listening to this and they don't yeah, go, yeah. oh, she doesn't care about the money. Good I'll to bleep, know. I'll bleep, I'll bleep that bit out. I'll dub it and say, Emily Fleming cares exclusively about the money. Like, <laughs> but that's kind of like the way I feel about everything. Like I just, I really just want to work. I, it's, if I'm not doing stuff creatively and, and getting to do what I want to do, I just, I'm miserable. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a fine ground. balance. It's a fine balance. And after this whole COVID thing, it's going to be really important for agents and producers to stick up for people that don't get uh taken advantage of in the casting world because like you said there's always going to be actors to do the jobs but there's there's got to be that line and and creative passion and stuff have got to be balanced now with safety and stuff as well when i i did a regional not regional i guess it was a local theater production of lil abner the musical i don't don't know know if you know what lil abner is it's definitely some it was a comic strip at one point about like a hillbilly Appalachian podunk town and there's this like really sexy buff dude named Lil Abner who has zero interest in women he's just this big dumb idiot who all the girls want and he doesn't want any of them and there's this thing called like a Sadie Hawkins race where the women chase all the men in the town to and if they catch them they get to marry them like a like a reverse seven brides of seven brothers exactly so there's there's stuff like that and i was like the female lead in that daisy may who's like this dumb kind of naive not dumb i'd say she's very naive nice little blonde girl and uh is trying to get little abner to fall in love with her but people this was i did that play in like 2005 and cell phones, people are done with them now, but they were really done with them then. They didn't silence them. They just, oh, people's no, no. phones would just go off all the time. And one night, three cell phones went off at the same time. And there was a line before what I said, somebody goes, what's that off in the distance? And I go, what do you mean? Is it all that jangling out in the woods? Like I just said, like referencing. <laughs> That's all great. The, all That's the a phones. good cover. That's a good I cover. I thought it was super funny. And then I go backstage after there was a musical number after that. And then I go backstage and this was like a, uh, 
you know, local theater production that also included a lot of kids. It was kind of like a youth theater thing. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think 19, but like there were kids involved and the moms who were involved with that show were pissed at me. Like you, how dare you do that? Like all this stuff. And I was just like, I just wanted to make the phones stop. Yeah. And I thought of a way to make it happen. And they were like, there are music cues that the piano player needs. You have to stick to the lines. And I'm like, we got to the line. We got there after that. Like, I don't understand what your deal is, but boy, they were so fucking mad at me. I was like in really deep shit. I had to like get a talking to, and the thing is I wasn't getting paid. Like I wasn't getting paid for this. This was like a fucking local theater company that I did this for fun one summer. And they're sitting here giving me a talking to. I'm like, suck my dick. I don't. It's the, theater moms, eh? There, it was just bullshit. But yeah, it was a fun play. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> I need to go and look that up now because I, I need to listen to a kind of recording. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, Lil Abner is a movie, actually. Uh, oh. They made, a, they made a movie out of the musical. I'm not sure if it's the same songs, but uh, it's an old movie. I think it's from like the 60s. I used to be in, uh, so there was a, I think it started at 54 Below. Um, uh-huh. There was a concert series called If It Only Ever, if, if It Only Even Runs a Minute. And it celebrated musicals on Broadway and lesser known stuff that closed way too early. But we, I was part of the cast who brought it over to London. So we did it in a really super sexy casino in London. Beautiful jazz mm. theatre room. It was amazing. But I'm surprised we didn't hear that because that's just not known over here. I, I've never heard anyone mention that before. Uh, I had never heard anyone mention the musical until I did that musical. Hmm. Uh, and then I, I had so much fun. It was It's a really fun musical, and it's a good movie. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I'm going to send you over. It looks like the movie was 1959. Oh, wow. Okay. Something like that. I'll just like send you love, over a clip of it. I love stuff like that. But yeah, it was super, super fun. And if you look at the comic strip, you'll see like what it was about too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was fun. (laughs) I'll send you the stuff later. I love it. But yeah, everybody Google it. It's weird. (laughs) Because you guys have the Edinburgh, like what's that? Fringe, the Fringe. Yeah, everybody submits to Fringe. Yeah, not this year. Well, I've never submitted to Fringe just because I don't get it. Like, I I don't know. It just seems like a lot of money and a lot of hullabaloo people who've never been and maybe it's the kind of fan of stand-up comedy uh-huh. they go oh you must make loads there's loads of people no you lose fifteen thousand pounds yeah that's what i've heard is like you've got to pay your own way oh unless you've got uh like say for instance unless you're doing it in partnership with a great person but you still have to front up your fee for accommodation which is like a thousand pounds a week because yeah. the the landlords know somebody will pay it yeah it's nuts nuts right anyway let's get back yeah. to auditions because i i'm just having a lovely time this this came in about half an hour ago and i i just i love it because it's got such innocence about it this is one of those stories that reminds us what it was like when we were just starting out and i think his com- first of all his commitment is to be co- commended second of all i wish i was in this audition room Because I just, this is brilliant. He says, I first started acting like three years ago and have made strides and leaps and bounds since then. But my first audition for stage was not the best. 
trying to dip my toes into acting, I was auditioning for this play called The Secret Garden and was super excited. My friend tells me, and he says, Godfather voice, bro, bro, you got this. Here's what you do. You got, I can't do a Godfather voice. Go in there with everything you got and just be fearless. You can choose a monologue that's 60 seconds or less and go in there and be yourself. So I'm like, cool, sounds easy. I kid you not when I say I went into that audition, an audition for a musical about a child who finds a lovely sweet garden and lives happily ever after. And I brought the filthiest, most godless Samuel L. Jackson monologue I could find. (laughs) I go in, introduce myself, do my slate and just start going to town with the F-bombs and mother flippers and (laughs) a-holes. The look on the panel's face when I get done was priceless. I walked out full of confidence thinking I was an acting prodigy. I never got a call back. (laughs) But I bet, you know what? The Secret Garden, I think, is generally like a children's theater production. Like yeah. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but like, I bet the people who've been holding auditions all day are bored to death. I bet those people were just, and you gave them something to talk about for like forever. I'm sure yeah. that the people who are in that room are bonded in friendship over your humiliation, and that's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you, like that's so, really great. Like you're going to be the one they talk about. <laughs> yeah. But you you definitely entertained them. <laughs> <laughs> but they did decide to to change the creative direction of the Secret Garden. <laughs> oh yeah, just imagine. it's just somebody with like a magnum shooting up a tree. <laughs> That's like all it is now. It's like the garden's locked. Yeah. not anymore, bitch. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, secret exactly. the secret of the garden is all the bodies buried underneath it. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet, though. I I I find that so sweet. Well, I've definitely. I'll tell you this story, though. This is pretty embarrassing. I I auditioned for colleges, like theater schools across America. Like my father and mom, like they drove me to so many places. Didn't get into a single one. I ended up going to a very small school in Arkansas, just because it it worked out that way. But uh, my audition. monologues they ask you to do like one comedic and one dramatic yeah and then a lot of them had a song as well and i sang um distant distant melody from peter pan which is a really great song Mm -hmm. everyone should listen to it uh but i i had like auditioned for tennessee repertory theater when i was 12 years old for the lion the witch and the wardrobe okay and when i was auditioning for it like they didn't assign you parts. You just walked in like a cattle call and you just get stuck with groups and everybody else wanted to be the kids or something or the witch. And I would just get stuck with Mr. Tumness every time. (laughs) And I just decided to commit like when I was 12 in that audition. And I did this thing where I get up on my tiptoes and like kind of have my arms like this. And I bend my knees and kind of walk around like a velociraptor, like a little bit. (laughs) And, and I just, and I, I committed and they gave me a call back at when I was 12 and I was like, cool, like I'm good at this character thing. And then they had me like play a kid. And then I was like, what do I do with my hands? I don't know. Like I just, I was, I didn't really know how to act. Like it, it was like when I had to do a physicality or something, I, it made more sense to me as a kid. And I wanted to be an actor so bad. So then when I was preparing college, like monologues, I thought, Oh, I got that callback when I was 12 for Mr. Tumnus. I'll do that again. 
So I, <laughs> I did it. I had a, I didn't, it's like looking back, I'm like, this is why I didn't get into like any of these theater schools because I was walking around like a velociraptor with a bad British accent doing a goat man from fucking Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe. Like it was, and I was so committed, so committed. And I've tried to do stand-up about this because it's so funny. I need to like find the monologue that I pulled from the play and just do it on stage sometimes. Oh, it's, it's your so closing embarrassing. bit. <laughs> and I think I did something from like, I can't remember what the, the dramatic monologue was. I'm pretty sure it was... It was Shakespeare. I can't remember. I was playing a nun, which is the Shakespeare play where there's a nun oh, who's God, like one of the anything. lead characters and she's being kind of taken advantage of sexually. My Shakespeare's not up as, as it used to be. I know. It's not very good for me either. But I did her monologue and I'm sure that was crap too. But like the, I remember I ended up going to the school in Arkansas that had 500 students total. It was a very small, small school, but they had a theater department. And they had scholarship money and nobody had auditioned that year. Oh. So I was going there to like, because uh, I was recruited to play volleyball at the school. And I went to go play with the team. I was not as good as the girls who were going to be on the team. <laughs> and uh, I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to play volleyball for four years. I really didn't want to. Like, that's a lot of work to do something <laughs> yeah. you don't really want to do at all. Um, so my mom, like, I guess was snooping around. She goes, they have a theater department. We're going to, we're going. Do you remember your monologues? I had kind of given up like on the theater school thing, but I walked in, there were two theater professors sitting there and I did both those monologues. <laughs> <laughs> and the theater professor at my college was this Italian guy from Brooklyn who I later found out may or may not have been in the witness protection program. And that's why he <laughs> that's why he's stuck in a small town in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> he was an actor in New York and then, but he, he apparently he said he may have seen something. And uh, so he was just stuck oh. in Arkansas in a dry County where they can't sell alcohol, by the way. Oh, no, exist- no, 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 no. That's not where you want to be in a witness protection program, is it? Oh, no, no, no. But he had a lot of wine. He, you could drive out of town and then bring it back, you know. Wow. But I just remember that, mo- like, doing both of those. And uh, he stood up and just went, like, well, we definitely want you to to be in our program. But uh, that Mr. Tumnus thing, uh, I never do that again. <laughs> please, please don't ever do that again. And he, like, made fun of me every year, like, in front of the whole cast. He's like... This one here came in looking like a, like a weird raptor and she got into the theater program. So could you like, just, kinda, <laughs> just make fun of me all the time for it. But I still to this day think I did a great job. It's just what was I like? Who? What was I even auditioning for? Why would this like girl <laughs> playing a goat man? makes a, sense for any audition ever like it's it a perfect example of just you you just going well i know that worked so i'm, I'm it's a surefire hit it, it, i'm yeah, gonna do it again i knew that it worked that one time so why wouldn't it work again and again and again <laughs> i love it that's brilliant <laughs> i can hear still hear myself saying daughter of eve over and over <laughs> again in my mind it's such a nightmare like <laughs> Emily, before before I let you go, 
we always like to ask our guests what their addition to the audition process would be. Is there one thing that you'd like to add to the auditioning process to make it more enjoyable for yourself, for performers, or just to get the whole thing going a little bit quicker? So in commercial auditions, uh, sometimes they do this thing where they, like every 10 auditions, just think rally all the like other people waiting to go in into a room. And then the casting director, whatever, explains the tone and the whole commercial. Okay. And they give you a rundown. And this is, I assume, for everyone who can't read. And I don't know what the fuck the point of it. Like, I, the thing is, like, you get to a point when you go through the audition process where you realize it is possible that you could be smarter than the people who like are running the show like in, oh i don't know in, what you mean <laughs> oh yeah well that's the moment where you're like oh no uh, maybe i shouldn't be an actor anymore maybe i should start applying myself to the other creative side of things so that you know i've, I've fantasized about being a casting director oh, in the, the past best. i've fantasized about it but i know that i don't want to do it because <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> i feel like i could fix a few things there's always a couple of people in that uh, breakdown session where they call you into the room to explain what the audition is, who want to be cute and who want to ask a fuck ton of questions. <laughs> I think if you ask a stupid question in that, you should be free to leave. Like, <laughs> you should be dismissed. Like you're too stupid to do a commercial audition. So get the fuck out. Like I don't, I didn't, <laughs> That sounds really harsh and I know it does, but it's like, uh, I wait sometimes an hour to two hours to do a three minute audition. Yeah. And I can never figure out why it's taking so long. And I mean, it's the, the thing to me about casting director, it's just like, why don't they, like, what's the deal with, like, we don't get consistent work. Like actors do not get consistent work. So we're having to leave like, our jobs, yeah. our children, uh, like other important things in our lives to sit here and read like three stupid lines to you. And you have to make it a whole production. You gotta be like, everyone gather in the room. So the lobster will be in the hot tub. <laughs> that bloody lobster. And you will be talking to the lobster as if nothing is strange. Like you'll just be like, yes, there's a lobster here. And you're like, yeah, I get it. It's a Geico commercial. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, let's just do it. Like, it's just like, to me, <laughs> it's so easy. And there's still some girl like, why is a lobster there? And you're like, it's in the fucking script. Like, <laughs> it's so annoying. It's so annoying. So I feel like if you ask a stupid question that they've already explained, they've already broken it down. Also, you have the sides outside to read it and you're still asking stupid questions. Get out. Like, you should be kicked out. <laughs> I also don't think that casting assistants should be allowed to audition for the commercial that you're auditioning for. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, that's been happening. That happens to me a lot. What? So somebody helping the day run, getting people coffee and checking people off on the list. Yeah. Walking walk themselves. Shut mm -hmm. up. Yeah. That's not a thing. It is. It is out here. It wasn't you're in joking. New York. LA is garbage. 
so they they get booked to help a studio for the day and they go actually this is for twenty thousand dollars i could do this yeah then they just watch every or they always go in last so they've watched everyone do it really badly over the day and then no sometimes they go in with me and oh no and it's not pleasant for them (laughs) i don't if it's an improvising thing and i know that the person who's the assistant is in there with me they don't talk they don't how is that allowed not you i don't know and that's something that like there there is a thing about sag where they want you to report stuff yeah i'm not i'm not sure if that's even unethical that might not be unethical and then if you report or complain about it, you have the danger of becoming blacklisted oh, from the a... casting office. So it's kind of like there's there's all this like weird, I don't know, insidious stuff to auditions in LA that I just don't know if I can put up with it. Like it's there's there's just things that I'm like, I'm not gonna be that girl. I'm sorry. Like it it sounds gonna... like you already know what's too much there. And the fact that you had such a positive experience in the New York industry. Oh, How can it be so it. different? Well, I think because it's more. I think it's more competitive. There's more actors. Yeah. There's more stuff going on. Yeah. So people are like three times as busy and swamped and overwhelmed in LA, maybe. And so it's just this kind of uh, inhumane, <laughs> weird process out here where you just you feel like cattle. You don't feel like a cattle person. calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's oh what it man. Feels like. But in New York, it just felt like, I don't know. I, I think I got lucky in New York and just had a really good agent who understood who I was and just kind of went, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to send you to stuff that you're going to get. That's that's exactly what you want. You want to go for stuff that you know you've got a legitimately good chance of getting. Because otherwise you're I, wasting everyone's time and they're wasting your exactly. time. Exactly. But out here, it feels like the, the agencies are kind of gobbling up everyone at once so that they can just have this huge, like if they just have a huge client base, somebody's guaranteed to get something. Mm-hmm. Instead throw of the, like, throw the net out and eventually somebody in it will be all right for the. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. It's not like a thing where they go, I pick people that I stand behind and I like. Yeah. That's it, it's. Yeah. Not for me. That's not for me. Yeah, it's not really for me either. I'm, the writing has been uh, a very freeing process in LA. I think it's a good place to be a writer, Los yeah. Angeles. Oh, it's like literally the dream. Like, that's exactly why I think what my LA experience I would want it to be is yeah. knowing that you, you're contributing every single day, but you can still have that relax of going, well, I'm allowed to make it how I want it to be and contribute how well, I want it to be. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> And there we go. That was this week's episode of Don't Call Us, We'll Call You. (laughs) I had an absolute riot this week. So thank you so much to Emily for giving me an hour of her time, coming down the line, a transatlantic Zoom, having a drink together and just generally having an absolute ball talking through audition stories and how they differ throughout the world as well. If you've joined us this week for the first time and you've clicked on us because you like Emily and you like her content on Good Mythical Morning and all of the channels that the GMM team make, then stick around, subscribe to us and go back through the first 10 episodes. There's going to be people you know, people you don't know, but I promise you every single one is packed absolutely full of crazy, unbelievable audition stories that are a hundred percent true. 
all submitted by our listeners and our guests. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a little review if you've enjoyed us listening there. Thank you so much. It genuinely helps us be found by new people. And do tweet us and tweet someone new that doesn't listen to our show yet and tell them to listen to it. We are at Don't Call Us Pod and we genuinely really appreciate you sharing the show all over your socials. Thank you so much for myself, John Webb Carter, our co-producer, and everyone behind the scenes here at Don't Call Us. We've got some amazing guests coming up over the next couple of weeks, including the West End's Heba El Sheik next week. She's been Jasmine in Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin down in Sydney, and she's currently starring in Everybody's Talking About Jamie in the West End. She's amazing. If you don't already know her, next week is a brilliant episode. So thank you once more for listening. Thanks to Emily again. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. See us on socials. Wear your mask above your nose and mouth. And remember, don't call us. We'll call you. Goodbye!